When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happy New Year, people. <laughs> it's Buckeye Talk! And we're completely ramping, revamping the podcast for the new year. Tim and Bill, tell the people how we're completely changing everything we do about Buckeye Talk in 2018. Every Buckeye Talk will start with Doug um, humming a song. No, no, <laughs> yep. more, no more intro music. Correct. Yep. Um, Tim will only speak in Spanish. Oh, I like that. Tim, drop some Spanish on the people. Si, senor. Okay. Okay, that's it. Uh, and uh, no more food talk. Instead of talking about food and college football, we're going to talk about college football and great literature. Ooh. Our favorite all-time classics um, to try to raise the level of the, of the discussion. You can always use a good Charles Dickens fireside mm-hmm. chat with that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, which, yeah, which great American classic have you guys read lately? As opposed to ridiculous talk about burritos and chain restaurants. Nobody wants that anymore. That was so 2017. Captain Underpants. <laughs> I was going to say the, dis- the Disaster Artist <laughs> is a great of American literature, although that's also a movie, so I don't know if that counts anymore in See, that category. Tim's still talking about the Disaster Artist. <laughs> we're the same as we always were. We're not changing a darn thing. <laughs> it's Buckeye Talk. It's the uh, bowl season Buckeye Talk. We're going to wrap up the two playoff games on New Year's Day and talk about whether Ohio State could have beaten any of those four teams. We're going to run through the Big Ten Bowl record and what that means. We're going to give uh, our revamped Final Four of who we think should have made the playoff. And if anything changed based on what happened in the bowls, then we'll take some questions from you guys and we'll also run through the high school all-star games that are this week um, that have... Ohio State future Buckeyes and current signees playing in them. And then we'll talk about burritos, because that's what we do, people. Hi, can you imagine? Just skip the burritos. <laughs> yeah, skip to skip right to burrito happy hour. Um, all right. So he's Tim Bielek, he's Bill Landis, I'm Doug Lane Maurice, the three of us back together again. Follow us on Twitter at Bill Landis25, at Tim Bielek, at Doug Lane Maurice. Read us at Cleveland.com slash OSU. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Make it a New Year's resolution. If you have not subscribed to Buckeye Talk, pause it. Pause. Hit pause. Did you subscribe yet? Are you subscribed to Buckeye Talk? And rate it. Rate and it. rate it. Go. That's what you could get us. If you haven't gotten us a Christmas present yet, go rate us. I have to go shut the door because the, uh, the oh, furnace there. is too loud. I'll shut it. 
So listen, we're going to uh, – and I'll, this is my New Year's resolution also because this seems to be a thing that people do. It seems like a new thing, like a new uh, journalistic thing is to constantly talk and tweet about how awesome the place you work for is and like how you're so great and like how the, the stuff that your place writes is better than everybody else's stuff. So I'm just going to do that in every Buckeye talk. Ooh. I'm just going to say we bring it. We're, we are the bestest of the bestest. We're the bestest writers. We're the bestest talkers. Mm-hmm. We're the bestest video videoers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's free, and it's the place to be. And that's my New Year's resolution is to talk about Cleveland.com more. My resolution is to talk about other media outlets more. Yeah. I Twitter- missed that. I missed that part of Twitter yesterday. I was on Twitter a lot. I was tweeting a lot. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, see, any, I didn't see much of that. Yeah. Hmm. Playoffs. I think Ohio State could have beaten one of the four playoff teams. Me too. Tim, do you think Ohio State could have beaten any of the four playoff teams? Yeah, I can't, there was one that stood out to me, but I'm like I said, I'm in agreement with you. One of the four, but they, I don't think they should have been in the top four. Okay, could Ohio State have beaten Oklahoma? No. I think if they matched up, it would have been a lot closer, but no. No. Could Ohio State have beaten Georgia? No. Oh, it would be that'd be hard to pick because I don't know if Georgia could run as well against Ohio State as they did against Oklahoma. But honestly, part of me wants to say yes because I just, what Georgia does well goes against what Ohio State does well. Stop the run. And I think they would have done a great job slowing them down. Georgia would have broken a run or two and made make Jake Fromm be a little one-dimensional. But actually, I think that will be the team I think Ohio State could have been in a bowl game. No. Alabama. No. 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 Clemson. Yes. No. Yes. Clemson was bad. Clemson is overrated. Yeah. Why do you think they couldn't beat Clemson, Tim? Same. I think... I look at Clemson's defense again, and I just think I looked at Clemson all year as just a bad matchup for Ohio State. The other three teams, I feel like Ohio State matched up a lot better than the things Clemson does just doesn't match up. I feel like Ohio State didn't have the kind of talent in the back end consistently that Alabama did, the way they were just shutting down Kelly Bryant all game, and that front four of Clemson. They 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 were neutralized a little bit, but I feel like they would have done similar things to what they did last year to Ohio State. Uh, Clemson's skill people didn't scare me. Mm-mm. I don't know that Clemson. I, I don't know that Clemson would have scored much on Ohio State. I don't think Kelly Bryant. Um, I think you could make. I mean, he threw so many picks there right at the end of the game. He was just throwing it to Alabama the whole time. I, I think you could have seen some of that. Um, there weren't as many, I don't know. They're just, their offense didn't scare me. And I think it would have been a low scoring game. We would have, if, if that game had happened and it's funny to me, I was watching that game thinking the only team they could have beaten is the team they would have played. Mm-hmm. And we might be sitting here today. And if you are taking, and we'll get into this, what the bowl season proved or didn't prove. But if, if Alabama beating Clemson is some kind of proof that Alabama was a playoff team. I think Ohio State might have beaten Clemson in the same spot and then had some kind of proof that the committee got it right, and we'd be sitting here waiting for an Ohio State-Georgia national championship, which would be 
crazy to think about, but I think that in the end, one of the main things the committee got wrong all year was overrating Clemson for whatever reason. Yes, Clemson beat Auburn, and that early win helped them. Yes, they they beat good teams in the ACC, and they only counted the Syracuse loss as half a loss because Kelly Bryant didn't play in that game. But other people have made comments about how they didn't seem to give teams extra credit for winning with backup quarterbacks. Ohio State didn't get extra credit because Dwayne Haskins had to throw the game-winning touchdown or lead the game-winning drive anyway against Michigan. If if you don't get if you don't get dinged as much for losing with your backup quarterback, shouldn't you get bonus points for winning with your backup quarterback? I think the committee for lack of of a better phrase, and also, I think we're open to maybe swearing a little bit more mm-hmm. on Buckeye Talk in 2018. I, I, I tweeted a curse word last you night. You tweeted a curse word? Yeah. Yeah, I, think... I saw that at like 1 in the morning. I tweeted it at you guys. Yeah, and, I, and, I, I Chase, asleep. and Chase Richardson, who asked us a question about steak. He's been listening long enough to know that we don't know anything about steak. Yeah, we're not st- steak sandwiches. Yeah. We'll do a whole separate anyway. podcast on steak sandwiches. What was this curse word you used? Shit. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that got real. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to say the committee got up its own butt about Clemson. And oh God, I just wish I could see how you said the S word on Buckeye talk. Yeah. Sorry, mom. <laughs> the, the Buckeye, the, the committee. And the problem is that it's presented as one thought. Kirby Hocutt talks about it as one thought. It's clearly not one thought. It's 13 thoughts merged into one, into one talking point. The way he talked about Clemson, I, I just feel like they got it wrong. I just feel like they got in a thing about what they thought about Clemson, and there was never enough to shake them out of that. And even when there were things to shake them out of that, like maybe Oklahoma should have been the one seed, they refuse to be shaken out of it. Yeah. And I think their love affair with Clemson, not that Clemson shouldn't have been in the top four. Clemson won the ACC. Clemson clearly should have been in. And I don't know that it would have changed that much. But if we're trying to use the the bowl season to tell us other things, that told me something which was I just have a little even a little less faith in the committee which I was already questioning because I feel like they got stuck on something about Clemson that proved to be not true and when we talked to Joe Clyde in December before the Big Ten title game Doug he mentioned he felt Southern bias had a lot to do with it because correct me if I'm wrong most of those guys on the committee are guys that he's are SEC and ACC guys. Not- it's, it's not most, but I think it's more than half, have have a connection to the southern part of the country. Yeah, and I, he, I, I'm not saying he thought that had direct impact, but I think he insinuated oh, that he there, did. there was... Okay, yes. You can say that. No, your point is he, valid. Continue. He had, he had an impact, and then he tweeted a lot, you know, in the last few days, kind of, you know, war c- committee criticism, kind of going along with that as well. And the second point, this is the gift that hindsight gives us. When we initially thought after this decision that we were going to find out by January 2nd whether the committee was right about four and five, turns out that, like you said, they were wrong about number one. And the big reason, the four quality wins that Clemson had, Auburn, Virginia Tech, Louisville, and Miami, all four lost their bowl games. Woo. All mm. four lost their bowl games, including Miami, which had a, was a home game. And they lost, and they gave up four touchdown passes to Alex Hornibrook. 
and Louisville lost to a freshman quarterback and threw four interceptions. They also beat South Carolina, who barely beat Michigan. But but I, that's yeah. a very interesting point. I had not looked up Clemson's opponents' bowl results. But again, they they and and Tim, the point you're making is they fell in love with those Clemson quality wins. And again, at least that's what they said. Because again, Ohio State had quality wins, but the quality wins weren't enough to undo the loss. The losses that Ohio State had, but their only loss was a three point loss while their quarterback was hurt. And then they had some of these quality wins. But I think and it's weird, Oklahoma lost too. I think Oklahoma was a better team than Clemson. Mm-hmm. I think yes. if Oklahoma played Clemson, they would have beaten Clemson. And so I think Oklahoma should have been the one seed. And I don't know that that means that Oklahoma would have beaten Alabama. I don't know. And I don't know that it really affects anything. So it's sort of a mistake without a huge consequence. But I think it was a mistake. And so the consequence for me is saying, come on, committee. Like, don't don't fall in love. Don't get blinded by things. Because it, it causes us to lose faith in other things you do. And Clemson, your infatuation with Clemson is going to cause me to lose faith in you down the line. Even if they, in the end, still got the four right? Yeah, because I think it's it's the way you go about it. You know, yeah. I mean, it's the all of this is the process. Again, a lot of the problem, and we'll get to this, that Ohio State, that people had with Ohio State and Alabama is the way they talked about it, the way Kirby Hocutt, who, did you guys see... Someone did an interview with, like, that new robot lady. They made a robot that's a lady. Oh, yeah. And she has a face. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. And somebody interviewed her. And she has metal in the back of her head. I, m- I missed that. Yeah, you can find it on a Twitter. They had a video of it. Might have been in England. A guy interviewing a robot. Okay? And now that I have seen a robot be interviewed... <laughs> Are we 100% sure that Kobe, Kirby Hocutt is not a robot? Are, oh, I thought that's what you were referring to just five yeah. seconds ago, a robot being interviewed. I mean, why would you – that actually would make sense. We have 13 humans in a room doing something. The robot observes the discussion, and then Reese Davis interviews the robot after it has synthesized the discussion. And it's the robot says, well, of course, teams five through eight are very close in our evaluation. We feel that the Clemson loss is not a full loss because the Syracuse team beat them while the Clemson quarterback was partially injured. Oklahoma's defense leads us to believe that the Sooners perhaps are not as well-rounded of a team as the number one team in the country. That, I mean, are we, what, two years away from that? I think it's happening. Yeah, it's happening right now. I also think that Bill Hancock is behind a curtain somewhere and actually <laughs> typing the words the robot says. Yeah. You, know what, you know what this is? That's Black Mirror season five right there. Um, I don't know what that means. I don't like. I want to. I was just talking about Black Mirror, and I don't know what it is, but it's freaking me out because people keep tweeting about it. I watched three. I watched half of the first half of the new season, and I enjoy it. I think it's tremendous. Is, tremendous is, television. Is it robots? It's it's like Twilight Zone, right? It's Twilight Zone with as, robots. No, there are some robots. <laughs> See, not all of them are robots, but it's like. It's a look at society through the lens of technology. Through the lens of a robot? Mm -hmm. No, I mean... Is it robot propaganda? (laughs) No, it's not robot propaganda. I can't really sum up Black Mirror. I could just recommend you watch it if you're on Netflix because it's tremendous. You know how I can tell that it is robot propaganda? Because you don't think it's robot propaganda. It's (laughs) such good robot propaganda. Then think about that. So, So I just think that was a mistake. 
and that was that. And so if we – do you think – you we real, Bill and I think it, Ohio State could have beaten Clemson. Mm-hmm. Tim, you're a little less certain. And I understand that, listen, Clemson's defensive line is really good. I think they've clearly taken – they just weren't as fright- – sometimes they're – their receivers scare you. Their backs scare you. I mean, Deshaun is Deshaun, but Kelly Bryant clearly had a very good year this year. Um, but there can be frightening on both sides of the ball. And that did not look like a frightening offense. Now, no. that also might just be Saban being Saban, Alabama being Alabama, and that's what you that's what they do to people sometimes. But but that was not it's what they've a done. frightening team. It's what they've done in the last three semifinals since they lost to Ohio State. I think they've given up two touchdowns. Right? They shut out really? Michigan like they shut out Michigan State. I think gave up one to Clemson and one to Washington. Washington. Yeah. yeah, I think the Washington Washington game. I think it was the only time they given up a touchdown in the semifinals. I think it, I think it's like eighty three to thirteen. They've outscored teams in the semifinals since losing to Ohio State in the first one. We and I, and I apologize for this. I'm going to do it today. I said we'd update our bowl picks during, oh, yeah. and, and I didn't. We just I just did, we didn't have time to do it. But now we'll have the results and we'll have the winner of who gets to be a Buckeye Talk co-host for a podcast. What if it's a robot? It's not impossible that it was a robot who won. Why are you freaking me out? I, do you? I, I can't do the podcast anymore. Are there robots listening to this? This is a robot-free podcast. If if you have an Alexa that's listening to this, turn your Alexa off. I think she's listening. What if they're listening on the Alexa? Oh my god! Yeah, she knows I said that. If if they're listening on Alexa, you know what it just did? You just turned off the podcast for the handful of people that are listening on the Alexa app. We're going to wind up with a, with an underground cavern of our most loyal Buckeye Talk <laughs> listeners, and we're just going to do an oral well, – be like yeah. back to cavemen. Right. Just oral histories, and they can like do cave drawings on the wall of what we say. Like they can draw a burrito on the cave <laughs> because we have to hide from the robots. I have a knot in my – I have a legitimate knot in my stomach <laughs> talking about robots well, right now. Well, what if the robots make the best burrito you've ever had? They already do. Yeah, they do. There's a Roomba in my living room right now. I didn't want it. I didn't want the Roomba. The Roomba maps your house. Why do you think they're mapping your house? Oh, sure. We'll clean your car. We'll clean your carpet while we're mapping your house. Why does a robot want to map your house? If not for total world domination. Yeah. I'm telling you. I didn't know you were this paranoid. I think we've we've gone really far down the Black Mirror-esque rabbit hole. Oh, man. I'm off my game. I can't do it. The Bo- the Big Ten, which is a robot-free conference so far. The Big Ten. That's not true. Paul Chris <laughs> is a coach in the Big Ten. <laughs> Can we talk? I mean, that is. <laughs> what, are the, what was the exact quote about the turnover chain that he said that we could read his lips? Uh, he said, turnover chain my effing ass. Is what he said. <laughs> yeah. But he, like, covered his mouth when he started the curse because yes. like, he knew the yeah. cameras would catch him. But everyone knows what Oh, he my God. Yeah. You know what? I know this is a cliche, and I know this is the j- joke that everybody made. Turnover cheese on the sideline yeah. would be tremendous. Yeah, a turnover, was, a turnover cheese hat, or just a slice of just cheese. A slice of cheese, yeah, yeah like, <laughs> like a treat, like a sideline like, treat. Like they just de- like you just give them a craft singles and just have them yeah. down on the sideline <laughs> while everybody goes crazy. Or oh, Minnesota could have a uh, turnover deli bar. Um, who wants the slideshow of turnover sideline snacks that Big Ten teams should do? We'll uh, we'll fight for it. Big Ten bowl record seven and one, but by the way, also eight Big Ten coaches won bowl games. Scott Frost, UCF, that counts as half a Big Ten win. Um, let me run down them. I have them, unless you want to. I have them on my phone here. 
I'm going to do, I have the list, and I want you guys to say if you are impressed or not that impressed by the individual. Let's look at the individual bowl games before we look at the whole record. Okay. Sure. Iowa 27-20 over Boston College. Boston College finishes 7-6. and six. Impressed or not impressed? Not impressed. Not impressed. Purdue 38-35 over Arizona. Arizona finishes 7-6. and six. Uh, Mildly impressed. Impressed, and I'm apologizing to Jeff Braun for picking against Purdue. They really came out and showed me something, especially Elijah Sindelar playing with a torn ACL. I have already tweeted at Jeff Brom, and he preemptively does not accept your apology for bailing on him. Washington State, Michigan State. Michigan State blows them out 42-17. Washington State finishes 9-4. and Impressed or not impressed? Not super impressed. Luke Falk didn't play. And Hercules Mataafa didn't play in the first half either when Sparty really got going. And, yeah, with, that, with those combinations, not impressed. Northwestern, 24-23 over Kentucky. And what, Kentucky went for two at the end and didn't get it? Yeah. Kentucky finishes 7-6. and six. Northwestern finishes 10-3. and three. Impressed or not impressed? Uh, not impressed. Not impressed. Benny Snell got ejected, which was a terrible call. Mm. Apparently he got made co- contact with an official. It wasn't even that much contact. I guess he just tapped him. Much less contact than Mark Rick made with the official in the Orange Bowl when yeah. he didn't get tossed. Yeah. Benny Snell went to high school half a mile from my house. That was Bull. Wisconsin, 34-24 over Miami. Wisconsin finishes 13-1. Miami finishes 10-3. Impressed or not impressed? Impressed. Very impressed. Hornibrook threw four touchdown passes in the game. Did not think he could do that. Mm-mm. Also, I'm not going to disagree with impressed. Miami, bit okay. of a paper tiger. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that was a, a classic case of a younger young team that really, got really hot and then just faded down the stretch. Won a bunch of close games when they were winning. Yeah. That's, that's, but like, it's worth, like, Tim, like, that was a true road game. Beat them by ten. Yeah, and yep. Miami will be good again in the, for the next couple yeah. seasons. They're, Rick has done a good job. I think they got there a year early. If that yeah. makes sense, yeah. I think that does make sense. <clears throat> Penn State thirty-five, Washington twenty-eight. Penn State finishes eleven and two. Washington finishes ten and three. Impressed or not impressed? Uh, fairly impressed. I, I think Washington also is is kind of a little little over overrated, but um, good win. I'm not that impressed because the game ended when Dante Pettis literally uh, lateraled the ball to a linebacker. It, they With five ran... seconds left as he was running out of bounds. Yeah, Dante Pettis could have gained 10 more yards, stopped the clock, and allowed Jake Browning to throw the Jake Browning Hill marriage is probably 30 yards. Yeah, we want to talk about noodle arm. Yeah. That guy can't throw, man. <clears throat> He's Linguini, and Alex Hornibrook's been upgraded to uh, Penne arm. Jake Browning is like SpaghettiOs. <laughs> the... The one thing, like, if again, if we're playing the what did bowl season prove, I'm, like, not even really joking with this, and maybe everybody's already made this point. What I think bowl season proved is that Penn State should have been in the playoff last year instead of Washington. Oh, yeah. Have people been saying that? No, I don't think so, but I think it's a point well It's made. like, oh, what's your what's this playoff matchup? Oh, it's, it's four versus five from the year before. And there's enough left from both teams. And I know Washington lost a bunch of their secondaries, Sidney Jones and Buda Baker and a lot of guys who got drafted. They had some injuries too. You know, so I get it. But I, I just don't I, – I, I don't think – I don't think Washington was that good. And I think Penn State for two years remains – like I think Penn State for the last two years is, is still better than people realize they were. 
How many? What was their final record? Eleven and two. Eleven and two. So two th- losses by a combined four points. So they lost to a devastating, devastating loss to Ohio State, and then they come back the next week and just like Michigan State beats them, and I think there's hangover stuff and like. And they destroyed. Aside from the touchdown win against Washington, and I think they whatever they won by at Iowa, they kicked the crap out of everybody else they played. Like I think, yeah, I don't know. Like I. I don't feel bad for Penn State because they did it to themselves. Stuff happens. But I think there continues to be somewhat of a misread on what that program is. And Tim is going to do a early 2018 projected Big Ten power rankings. Like, do you guys think – so Saquon's gone. Is yeah. Penn State going anywhere? Or, is, or like how much – because listen – Saquon, we know, is a great player, but teams shut him down, mm-hmm. and that opens things up for other guys, whatever. But it didn't; it, they didn't win in the second half of the season just because Saquon Barkley ran for 200 yards per game. He didn't, and they won doing other things. Is Penn State like nobody thinks? Okay, Ohio State's losing a bunch of good players. Nobody thinks Ohio State's going to be down next year. Right. Is that where Penn State is? Is Penn State close enough to that level where it's like, well, yeah, let's assume. That James Franklin is recruiting at a high level. They're a good program again. They're a traditional power that had a long, weird, dry spell for we know the reasons why. But now they're back. Are we to just assume, unless there is absolute proof otherwise, that they're a top 10 team every year? I think they are. I mean, if their key loss is Saquon Barkley, his replacement is a former five-star prospect. So like, if that's what you're doing, then I think you're not quite on the level of Ohio State because you need to prove it on the field first, but you're you're trending in that direction, more so than the program like Michigan, who was really good, lost a bunch of guys, and then didn't quite live up to the standard they set the year before. I think James Franklin is recruiting at a level that has Penn State, I think, where they are to stay. Yeah, and, and it's just, by the time you're listening to this podcast, the future Big Ten Power Rankings are up. Go ahead and go check them out um, after you're done with this podcast, of That's course. That's a plug. But... <laughs> I, I admittedly wrestled with Penn State versus Michigan, and the reason why is not just because Saquon Barkley's gone. They lo- they're going to lose a lot of guys. Deshaun Hamilton's gone. DeAndre Tompkins is gone. Um, is Jawan Johnson back? He's he's back. He's Saeed gone. Blacknall's back. Blacknall's gone. Gasicki's, Gasicki's gone. Gasicki's gone. Jason Cabinda's gone. Marcus Allen's gone. Uh, Grant Haley's gone. Right off the top of my head, that's eight guys. That's eight key contributors. Don't forget also, Joe Moorhead's gone. That's this a is, good point. This yeah. is James Franklin's ultimate test at Penn State. Is have they know, hired the dude yet? Ricky Irani, I think, who was their quarterbacks coach, is now their offensive coordinator. And I thought he he called a decent game against Washington. Yeah, didn't Trace Trace McSorley have what, four touchdown pass, three four touchdown passes? Yeah, like he had a good game, and they were great on third down. But this is going to be the ultimate test for James Franklin. You've had two years of amazing success, success you haven't had since you know the early two thousands or the late or the nineteen nineties. You haven't had this kind of success in forever. Can you sustain it? That's the ultimate question. I think the Moorhead point is the most important point. I think we've already talked about that in a previous podcast about it's like losing Tom Herman. you know. But again, I think he was even more valuable to Penn State because <clears throat> Penn State is not quite at the Ohio State level of just pumping it out and pumping it out. That And Ohio State was clearly impacted by the loss of Tom Herman. They didn't replace him with guys who were as good as him. So they've got to try to replace. That Joe Moorhead hire was kind of a off-the-radar hire in the moment you hire the Fordham head coach as your offensive coordinator. It was a genius hire. Yeah. Credit to James Franklin. Credit to Moorhead, who is now, as you guys know, the head coach at Mississippi State. That's how good he was. He got an SEC coaching job off being the Penn State offensive coordinator for two years, right? Was it two? Two. Three. 
Okay? So that's how good he was. That's how important it is to replace him. But I think that's a good point that the Moorhead thing is huge. Um, just real quick. So Penn State, like, as Tim laid out, has a lot to replace. Um, the 2016 and 2017 recruiting classes are going to be the guys who do the replacing. Uh, 2016 was ranked 20th in the country. 2017 was ranked 15th in the country. So it is still Not- a significant notch below like what Ohio State does when it reloads. Well, Saquon Barkley is also a low four-star. No, I understand that that's not like it's not like five stars on everything, but I think overall that the totality of the class matters, and it's not quite on the level of what Penn State's doing in the 2018 recruiting class, which is like number five in the country. If they can sustain that, then Ohio State is going to have its hands full for a long time with Penn State. Kind of what I think everybody thought it was when Penn State initially joined the Big Ten. Agreed. South Carolina, 26-19 over Michigan. South Carolina finishes 9-4. and Michigan finishes 8-5. and five. So let's do, instead of impressed, obviously not impressed, like how devastating is that for Michigan? How telling is that? I thought it was pretty bad. I, I, I mean, they started out okay. It was just like they faltered at the end. I think they, they've done a couple times under Harbaugh. Harbaugh. They have a hard time, I think, finishing out games. So I thought that, yeah, it wasn't a particularly well-coached game, and then they kind of faltered in the end. And, and Brandon Peters, was like that was a huge moment for him, I thought, to, to lock himself up as a starter for next year, and he clearly didn't do that. So, um a lot of questions, I think. And we know O'Corn was so bad. I think we had said in the moment of the Ohio State-Michigan game, if Peters would have been the quarterback, if he had not been injured for the Ohio State-Michigan game, would Michigan have won that game? And I think I might have said yes. I think we had a discussion. I, I, I said yes. And I still Did, I, 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 I stand by that in the sense that we're talking. Like O'Corn was just so o- bad? O'Corn was missing. He missed what? Five wide open receivers. So, I don't, I, like, if if Peters hits three of them, maybe it's a different game. I don't know, but I yeah, I don't certainly not as confident in that now after watching Peters play against uh, South Carolina. And it wasn't just wide open; it was off the line of scrimmage, passes in the flat, passes that you know any college quarterback you know who's got any prowess whatsoever coming in should be able to hit those blindfolded. Yeah. So again, to recap, in Ohio State's uh, excuse me, in the Big Ten's seven and one bowl season, which you get credit for. Mm-hmm. Because you, I used to track this stuff like crazy five, six, seven, eight years ago when the Big Ten was awful in the bowl season. I'd always do predictions of how you know what's the bowl record going to be. I'd write about how they haven't had a winning bowl season in, in years and years and years and years. So now I can't sit here and like disparage a seven and one record. It matters. It matters. But but also just it's okay to look at something with a little with a little bit of a. A detective thing. Sherlock Holmes uses it. It's a big circle. Magnifying glass. Correct. Robot. (laughs) They beat Boston College, Arizona, Washington State, USC, Kentucky, Miami, and Washington. So those are the wins. Um, Based on that. Seven and one. Based on that. And mostly based on what Ohio State did in the Cotton Bowl and beating USC 24-7. to Based on that, should Ohio State have been in the playoff? No, I don't think so. I, th- I, I know I have said multiple times that I thought the Big Ten was the best conference. All that 7-1 record did for me was validate that, but strength of conference is only part of the conversation. Like, Yes, Ohio State was the champion of the best conference in college football, it also lost by 31 points on the road to a team that finished with what seven wins or eight wins, whatever Iowa finished with. Um, eight and five. Eight and five. So, no, I don't. I don't think Ohio State's bowl win and, and coupled with the seven to one record 
means Ohio State should be in the playoff. It means like the Big Big Ten was better than the Pac-12 and the ACC and the Big 12 and the SEC on the whole. But I don't know if the Big Ten's best team was as good as the best teams from those other conferences. But is there not? Is there an argument? And Tim, will will give your answer. The idea that the champion of the best conference should be in. Is that an argument? Yeah, I, I I don't know if I believe that. I don't because I because we are it's you're, too, it's you're too cut it's, and dry. You're saying it's the best conference. Yeah, like, that, I thought that before, when Ohio State didn't get in. I still you thought, thought it before. Yeah. Now there's proof, even more. If you want to take it as proof, and certainly in, to at least some degree, you can. Mm-hmm. The bowl season is also a different animal. There's motivations involved. There's coaching changes. There's lots of stuff that that goes into it. So you can't just. Like, all the time during the season, people are willing to say, like, well, just because this team lost to this team doesn't mean they're better, which drives me crazy. Yeah. If we don't go by head-to-head, what do you have left to go by? But if there's ever a time to say, just because a team beat another team in a, in a bowl doesn't mean they're better than that team, that's when you say it. Because there are a million things that go into it. And this is the next thing we'll get into. Like, for instance, just because UCF beat Auburn, I'm not necessarily willing to say that, like, UCF was a better team than Auburn this year because bowls are weird. But, Tim, it's the best conference. Like, I think that argument is settled. Top to bottom, depth, good, and, and certainly good teams at the top. It's not just a solid middle. Yeah. If your three best teams are Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State, and this is what they put on the board this year, that's a good conference. Mm-hmm. And then your fourth best team is Michigan State. That's a good conference. Your fifth best team is Northwestern. But especially those top three, that's a good conference. Tim, does this prove Ohio State should have made it? No. I As good as the conference is, and I, I actually referenced this with Doug before we started the podcast. I wrote a Big Ten power rankings where I asked the question, was the Big Ten too good to get in the playoff? <laughs> and in some ways, yes, it was. Seven and one validates that. But I think you can't really judge a team getting in just based on its conference. I think that all has to be independent of itself. Like, I felt like Ohio State for throughout the season never strung good games together on both sides of the football. There were games where the offense was great, but the defense was poor, and then vice versa. And I think the Cotton Bowl is a perfect example. The defense, particularly the defensive line, played outstanding. The offense didn't meet that level. And that was the case all season, whereas you get to the playoff, Teams like Georgia, they can string together great games on both sides of the football. Alabama's done that. Oklahoma, to an extent, has done that. Clemson has done that. Ohio State hasn't really done that at all this season. There's something to be said for being the best conference in the country, and I think the Big Ten is, and I don't even think it's debatable. Because while the SEC has the two teams in the championship game, the rest of the conference was terrible. And the yeah. Big Ten, one you could argue, one through ten was tremendous. Does that include? That doesn't include Rutgers, right? Uh, if you want to include Rutgers in this scenario, <laughs> you can. That's up to you. For all we know, you're only as good as your worst team. Hashtag for all we know. Listen, here's the thing, and this is a point. I mean, I think this is the point that people are making when they say that should the should the best team from the best conference get in? It is harder to look good every week when your conference is good. Mm-hmm. So if you sit and say, well, Ohio State didn't look that good here, didn't look that good there, which is all valid, it's like, yeah. It's because they had to play Penn State, and then they had to play Iowa, and then they had to play Michigan State, and they had to play Michigan, and they had to play Rutgers. You know, they, they, <laughs> and they had to go to the Big Ten Championship and play Wisconsin, and... 
Alabama didn't have to do that to that degree. And so the thing that I think is an important point, because I made this point a lot back in the old days when the Big Ten sucked and the SEC was really good. The point is, it's just harder to be that good. Because when you win a tough game on Saturday and then have to come back the next Saturday, you've increased your chances of losing. Because the game the week before was so hard. You've increased your chances of winning and looking like crap. So, again, I still will call it a loss of execution, not a loss of emotion, to lose to Iowa that way. But they had to come back in the fourth quarter against one of the top six or eight teams in the country to win that Penn State game. Alabama didn't have to do that. So Alabama, yes, Alabama didn't have a 31-point loss. But they also didn't have to beat Penn State during the course of the year. And if they had Penn State in their division, maybe they would have had a 31-point loss. And I do think that that is an important consideration. And 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 while I am not – I am agreeing with you guys. I am not taking the Big Ten's bull record as some kind of proof that the committee got it wrong. I think it is important – they say – they say they don't really care about what conference you're in. They just want the four best. Now, conference championship is a tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. But but they they don't want to say. It's not in the bylaws that you say, well, your conference is the best conference, so that should help you. Now, strength of schedule matters or whatever. So that is the same as your conference because your, your schedule strength is based on what conference you're in. But – to hang, you're hanging a 31 point loss on, on Ohio State. Why did they lose by 31? How did they lose by 31? Part of the answer of how they lost by 31 is because they played in the best conference. And sometimes when you are playing a good team every week, that's going to happen to you. And when you are rolling through a bunch of mediocre teams, it is much less likely that it's going to happen to you. And here's where I think that that argument stands up the most. If you are a person who wants Central Florida in the playoff, if you think Central Florida going undefeated and beating Auburn in a bowl game is proof, because we're talking about bowl season proof, if you are taking that as proof that Central Florida got screwed, that the playoff is flawed, that these little school teams don't have a chance, you're wrong. I'm getting a little tired of the UCF bowl season love. They did not deserve to be in the playoff. They were not as good. They were not as good. And here's two reasons they're not as good. Their players aren't as good. They don't recruit as good of players. Okay? That's just true. Now, it doesn't mean they're not a good team. Here's who they beat. Florida International finished 8 and 5. Maryland finished 4 and 8. Memphis they beat in the regular season and in their conference championship game in a game that was like super close. Came down to the end. Yeah, it's like 100 to 99. Memphis finished 10 and 3. They beat Cincinnati 4 and 8. East Carolina 3 and 9. Navy 7 and 6. SMU 7 and 6. Yukon 3 and 9. Temple 7 and 6. South Florida 10 and 2. And they beat Austin P in there cuz they had a hurricane game that got canceled against Georgia Tech and they had to find someone to play. Florida International, Maryland, Memphis, Cincinnati, East Carolina, Navy, Austin P, SMU, UConn, Temple, South Florida, Memphis. 
No! 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 It's not true. It's not right. It's not. Would Central Florida be 13 0 if they played in the Big Ten East? No, of course no. not. No! Would they be 13 0 if they played in the SEC? No. no. And they played some combination of Alabama and Georgia and Auburn and Florida and LSU this year? No! Memphis beat UCLA 48-45 this year. That's the best regular season non-conference win for that conference. UCLA sucked and their coach got fired. And we're supposed to be like super impressed that Memphis got an early season win against UCLA, who stunk. Their coach got fired because they stunk. It's not the same. You cannot sit here and argue that it's the same. It is not. If you are arguing that like Alabama shouldn't have made the playoff because their schedule wasn't good enough, are you kidding me? And then you're going to argue that that Central Florida got screwed. And I know there's people out there making that same argument. You because who do you want? You want Central Florida in over who? Over Alabama? Over Alabama and its terrible schedule? Mm-hmm. East Carolina, SMU, UConn, Temple? Are you joking? It's just the way it is. Now listen, if we get to eight and you want to set a threshold for a non-Power 5 team, if you're going to go, and if you want to give them a guaranteed spot, I guess that's fine. All you're going to do is get a sucky one versus eight game every year. Because I'm going to tell you, it's going to suck. Okay? It's going to be like a 1-16 game in the NCAA tournament. So if you want to go eight teams and you want to go five conference champs, two wild cards, and the best non-Power 5 team, and that non-Power 5 team's always going to be the 8 seed. And they're always going to play the best team in the country, and they're going to get their doors blown off. Go ahead. Fine. But if you're going to sit here right now and whine, oh, the playoff system is a mess. Central Florida didn't get a chance. Scott Frost, he left for Nebraska. Why did he leave for Nebraska? Is it because Central Florida is as good as Alabama? Central Florida's football program, as good as Alabama's. That's why Scott Frost left to go to Nebraska. No, you're wrong. So take your UCF love and go home and buy a 13-0 shirt and enjoy it. And thank the good Lord that you don't play in the SEC or the Big Ten because you'd be buying an 8-5 and five shirt right now. That was hot. First, hopefully, that was a good rant to start 2018. Hopefully hot enough to get us out of this polar vortex we're in. I guess I feel warmer. You know what I'm not thinking about right now? Robots. Because I got a good ran in. I wiped robots from my brain. So do you, are you like completely hell-bent against the idea of a group of five team ever making the playoff as it's currently constructed? No. So I, like if UCF would have played Auburn in September and beat Auburn and then did everything else, like replace Austin P with Auburn. Right. Is UCF a playoff team? I am not against it out of hand. I am not against it out of hand. But maybe give me another couple other teams in your conference that are doing something that year that you also beat. That maybe somebody yeah. else did something else. And I know it's hard to schedule the games. I get it. I get all of it, you know? But but I don't know what we're taught. Like, no, I don't disagree I don't with think, you. Like, this, I, I just that don't that think resume is not a playoff resume. It's not a travesty of justice right. to me. That, like, if you say there's no way for a Power 5 team to get in the playoff right now, okay. I'm fine with that. Like, if group your proof five. is that, uh, not, yeah, group of five, a, a non 
power conference team. They're never going to get in. Oh, how can they get in? They shouldn't get in. Yeah. So, like, I'm okay with that. Because we can't play that game. It's not – because you know who it's not fair to? It's not fair to Ohio State. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but you can't play Penn State, Iowa, and Michigan State in three state straight weeks and then have someone – you know who would have gone 13-0 and with Central Florida's schedule? Ohio State. Yeah, like 15 other teams. Michigan State would have gone undefeated with that schedule. Wisconsin would have gone undefeated. Wisconsin got crap because the Big Ten West wasn't good enough. Who's who's a better conference? What conference is Central Florida in? The American Athletic Conference. Who's better? The Big Ten West or the American? The American, uh, what are the names of the divisions? The Reagan and the Roosevelt? I don't know. What are they? They should be, by the way. I, I don't who know. won the American Conference Reagan? How big great of a name would that be? I don't think. Is it, is it broken in the divisions? I don't know. I, I, I think it's just like the top two teams play. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I think it's divisions. I just, I East mean, and West. East and West. That's so lame. Legends and leaders. Yeah, it should be legends and leaders. Reagan and Roosevelt, brother. God, we won the American Conference Roosevelt this year. Who's <laughs> in on that? Who's the uh, commissioner I, of the uh, American Athletic Conference? I'd like to. Get I'd be on board, but to answer your question, what's better? It'd be hard to go against the American because if even if you take the top two teams out, you take. Wisconsin out from the Big Ten West. You take UCLA. Wait, are you saying the American Athletic Conference is better than the Big Ten West? Is that the, is that the road you're going down right now? No, we just want to make sure we know yeah. what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because does the Big Ten West have a South Florida? Uh, Would anybody yes. else in the Big Ten West have been South Florida? Yes. Then who? Who are you saying take out? Well, what? I mean, you take out the champs. You remove okay. the champs from those Okay, so Central Florida equals Wisconsin. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Who would have beaten South Florida? Northwestern. One Iowa. And Iowa. Maybe Purdue. I don't know about Iowa. I, I don't know if they would have been. Iowa did beat Ohio State. South Florida did beat Illinois, right? That, they, that they happened. destroyed them. And, I mean, Quinn Flowers is special. I think he would have done numbers, like done big things against the Big Ten West. I am willing to concede that South Florida would have been, uh, at worst, the fifth best team in the Big Ten West. I think they're better than Illinois and better than Minnesota. Maybe I think they're comparable than... to Purdue. Yeah, Purdue played some really good teams really close this year. You don't think Purdue? You don't think Purdue would have won ten games in the American? I mean, they have uh, second coming of Vince Lombardi as their head I mean, coach. I know Tim's a. I, despite Tim Bielek's doubts about Purdue's ability to be, to beat top tier teams in bowls. I think Purdue would have won ten games in the American. That's your team, Tim. Tim, we are we are. This is a Sophie's choice. We are. <laughs> you want to love Quentin Flowers? I get that, but you want to love Jeff Brom. Would Purdue have won ten games in the American? Yes. Okay. And again, my pick was more about Khalil Tate, and now that Khalil Tate lost to Purdue, now I can hey, be a Khalil Tate hater. For the don't next year. tell it to us. Yeah. Tell it to Jeff Brom. Okay. So when Ohio State plays Purdue on the Big Ten teleconference, am I supposed to apologize to Jeff Brown for picking yeah. against them? First question is from Tim Bielek, Cleveland.com. Sorry. <laughs> Less of a question, more of an apology. I'll send. I'll go to homework and I'll send him an apology card. And you know what Jeff Brown would say? Oh, yeah, I listen to Buckeye Talk. Yeah, I heard you. <laughs> we had your face on our, hanging up in our team room. Um, hey, if I was the reason Purdue won, I'll, it'd be nice to know that I helped the team win. Yeah. That would be good. 
All right, so so uh, in the end, it was weird, too. It was like how many bowl games the Big Ten played against the Pac-12. They had four bowl games against the Pac-12, two against the SEC, and two against the ACC. So uh, I'm going to write something, too, about this. I mean, I just think it's – I don't know. Bowls make people crazy, and it's, it's a little that – like I completely get it, and it's great. But there's like a lot of Big Ten chest pounding going on. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, take that, Kentucky. From uh, What's coach, up, Boston College? Coaches, players, and media members alike. Yeah. yeah. So, which is fine. But it's okay to just look at that a little bit realistically, too. But you know what? There have been years when they lost to Boston College, Arizona, and Kentucky. So, take a lap. I get it. Uh, it means the Big Ten, it means a couple things. A, the Big Ten is much improved. That matters. Mm-hmm. Um, it means mostly that. It means the Big Ten is much improved, but it doesn't necessarily mean, and this is what I think has been a flaw with a lot of stuff along the way, with every conference. Northwestern beating Kentucky like doesn't really have a ton to do with like Ohio State and Wisconsin. Yeah. Like, again, the point we've made about it, it's tougher to get through a conference, but it's not – it's it's not quite, I think, what people make it out to be. So, anyway, um, who is going to win? Let's give our national title picks while we're at it because mm. they will have played the national title game. I We did our bowl picks again. I'll get that up so we can figure out who won. I had picked Alabama and Oklahoma in the two semifinals. Who would you guys picked? I picked Al, I picked Oklahoma and Alabama, yeah, and I picked Oklahoma to win. I think I – yeah, I think I'm on the same vein. I picked Oklahoma, but this game – I'm going to pick Alabama. Uh, I'm picking Georgia. I think Georgia pick- has a better quarterback. And I think yeah. like everything else is kind of equal. Like They both have multiple really good running backs. They both have really good defense. I trust the guy who can make the throws. And Jake Fromm, I thought, made some pretty good throws against Oklahoma. Yeah, he was great in that game. Although I do worry about a true freshman go- quarterback going up against Nick Saban for a na- with a national championship on the lineup. The thing that Georgia is going, it's a home game for Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going like, to be nuts. That could be like legitimately 70% Georgia fans, and that won't be for lack of trying from Alabama. Tickets are $3,000 last I saw. Oh, my God. That's I crazy. Like, I'll, I'll go, I'm going to go on StubHub, maybe try to sneak my way into a cheap ticket to the national title game. You think that Georgia fan who nope. shouted at his neighbors last night and did so after the SC title game will be there? I don't know what you're talking about. There's a there's a Georgia fan who like took a microphone or a little speaker after the SEC championship game early in the morning. Woke up his neighbors who are Auburn fans like, "Hey guys, Georgia won." Oh, that's funny. And then he did it again after they beat Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. Like, "Hey guys, Georgia won again." Nice. Um, all right, we'll run through a couple questions. I don't. I, yeah, I don't want to say what I was going to say, which is I don't think we're going to go two hours in the offseason podcast. But mm. Red Rider. Wait, do we want to do all-star game stuff first? Is that oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I knew I had a thing down. I couldn't remember what that said. I wrote four things down, which is very confusing about uh, when I do a list. High school all-star games are mm. this week. So we're going to explain when they are so you can watch them on TV and what Ohio State commits, I mean signees, are in these games. And, uh, yeah. So do that. Okay, so the first one is the Under Under Armour All-American game. That is on January 4th, which is Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. 6 p.m. on ESPN2. The Ohio State signees playing in that game are running back Brian Sneed, center Matthew Jones, cornerback Seven Banks, and linebacker Taraja Mitchell. Um, there are two players making their announcements at that game that are of importance to Ohio State, both defensive ends. Both four-star prospects, Tyreek Smith from Cleveland Heights 
Jason Oway from Blair Academy in New Jersey. Um, so they're not commits, but I think they're guys if like you're in, like, I don't know when exactly they're announcing, but at some point during the game they're announcing. So by the end of it, they'll be, they could be Ohio State commits. So in addition to the commits, you might want to watch those guys. And the other guy who I think is worth watching at the Under Armour game is Nick Petit Frere, who is a five-star offensive tackle from Florida, who is considering Ohio State and a bunch of other schools and like hasn't really trimmed his list down yet. Um, but Ohio State, I don't think they're in a great spot for him, but would love to add him, especially after losing Jackson Carmen. He's a five-star offensive tackle. Do they have to get another offensive line mm-hmm. guy? Yeah, they need. I think they need two. Maybe they can get away with not having two, um, but they definitely need another tackle in this class, for sure. Okay. Um, so that's the Under Armour game. And then the U.S. Army All-American game is on the 6th, uh, Saturday. It's down in San Antonio. That's on NBC at 1 p.m., Bunch of Ohio State uh, commits in this game. Dallas Gant, linebacker. Jalen Gill, running back. Tyreek Johnson, cornerback slash safety. Jeremy Ruckert, tight end. Teron Vincent, defensive tackle. Max Ray, offensive tackle. Cameron Babb, receiver, who I think is just there but not playing because um, he's coming off an injury. Josh Proctor, safety. Tommy Togiai, defensive tackle. Um, and then two other names. These are not commits, but certainly players still on Ohio State's board um, if they could get them. Solomon Tuliapupu is a linebacker from California, and Rashid Walker is an offensive tackle from Maryland, who I think is their top offensive line prospect. Um, it's down the Penn State and Ohio State, I think, for Rashid Walker. I think Ohio State's in a pretty good spot, especially if they can get him on an official visit. And that would be like Urban Meyer, obviously, but then Larry Johnson, that's his area. Greg Stoudrawa, that's his position. Um I think they put the hard press on Rasheed Walker and and tried to sway him from Penn State, which has been the perceived favorite for a long time, but obviously he didn't sign. So if there's – Urban Meyer said they might have two spots left. They could have more than that depending on who goes. Um, but say they do have two spots left, the top two targets are Rasheed Walker and Tyreek Smith. And just FYI, January 15th, this is the deadline. deadline to declare for the NFL. Sam Hubbard and Denzel Ward have declared. We're waiting on – Jerome Baker, we're waiting on Mike Weber, we're waiting on Draymond Jones, and we're waiting on all the receivers led by Paris Campbell. So that's going to matter. Um, it, is there for both you guys? Is there anybody in particular, maybe one name um, that you are most interested to see in that game? That either of those two games among uh, among the future Buckeyes. Uh... Yeah, I think I'm pretty interested in seeing Brian Sneed in the Under Armour game. He's a first commit in the 2018 class, and like I, I'm, it's astonishing to me how quiet he's been. His recruiting completely, recruitment completely shut down. He never talked to anybody. That's like team college teams and media. He's very hard to hear from or even like see. Um, so I'm and some of the stuff I've heard about him is like everyone talks about Master Teague in this class because Master Teague's like an under recruited three star guy who everyone thinks is better than he's getting credit for. And, like, we've all forgotten a little bit about Brian Sneed, um, who was playing in the Under Armour game. So I'm curious to see, like, how good this kid actually is. There was a time, and I think he probably still is considered a top ten running back in the country, but there was a time when I think he was, like, top five, I believe number three, maybe, when he committed to Ohio State um, at Friday Night Lights last year. So first commit in the class that I think people just kind of, he's he's flown on the radar. People forgot about him a little bit. So I want to watch him in the Under Armour game. Anybody for you, Timmy? I'm looking at Jalen Gill. I think default, you almost want to look at the highest-ranked guys and see how they compare to their peers. And I think Gill interests me because depending on what happens with Mike Weber and some of the other skill players for Ohio State, there's a window there where he could get some playing time. Mm -hmm. And we saw in the Army game two years ago that DeMario McCall, when he got in, he played very well in the game. 
he translated that some early playing time as a true freshman. So I'm not saying necessarily that Gill will play this this upcoming season, but He'll I, play. you think he will? Yeah. Where? They'll find a spot. They'll something. He can return kicks. He'll, he'll be. You think H. he'll play as a true freshman? Yeah, like I don't think he'll be more than McCall did as a true freshman. Maybe about the same, but okay. he'll, he'll, he's not going to retro. I, I would be very surprised if Jalen Gill retroed And that's the thing we always talk like play versus play. Yeah, like, like J.K. Dobbins played. Right. Tomorrow McCall was like a blowout guy. Yeah. You think more like a blowout guy? Depending on what Paris Campbell and K.J. Hill do. Because Jalen Gill's an H-back. So if those guys go and then the H-back is, is DeMario, and that's kind of it, I don't even know who else on the roster would be considered an H-back. Superman. He, he, <laughs> he <goes. laughs> so, yeah, I think I, I don't think Jalen Gill redshirts, and I think he is like a, he's a possibility to be a for-real play guy. I think, yeah, he seems like a guy who would play either role H-back or running back because – if Weber's gone, there's no who's the true number two running back on the team. I don't think there is one. Here's no, what it's I, competition. Here's what I think is is if I had to guess what's going to happen as it relates to H, I think Paris Campbell goes to the NFL. I think KJ Hill, and we've talked about this, transitions to more of an outside receiver mm-hmm. as Jalen Marshall did. And I think H back is Demario time. Maybe backed up by Jalen Gill. As much yeah. as I just jumped your butt for saying that Jalen Gill's yeah, play. I, think I mean, I think like that is very. But that's real. Play. That for Jalen Gill, that's real. That's like you're playing in the second quarter, not in the fourth quarter. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, that, and like, but I also think that like that's, and again, like Paris Campbell and KJ Hill basically split that. I mean, they can do different things. That would to me, if it's Demario time, uh, I think that'd be more like a seventy thirty split. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'd be a straight up H back rotation necessarily. You could still get KJ in there a little bit. Um, but I think there's going to be – it's going to be – like I'm like juiced for the spring, baby. Yeah. To watch this this whole roster take shape. And just – so we're going to do a lot of stuff. We talked to a lot of guys, a lot of future guys in the post game at the Cotton Bowl. We're going to break down the entire roster, position group by position group, give you a projected two deep in the next couple weeks. We're just waiting for the to see who leaves because so, we could do it now. But if we if we did it tomorrow, it could be wrong and right by Friday. Like, whether like I we think Jerome Baker's going to go, but like if Jerome Baker came back, completely changes the, li- the right. linebacker room, the receiver room. You can't even start to figure out until you know this stuff. Um, so so these things are going to matter. So we're going to roll that out and we'll get to that. But let's get to some questions first. Uh, someone just had a really good thing. Um, at Bunyan Man, mm-hmm. Bunyan not like on your foot. Bunyan like Paul. Oh. How spicy do you like your burritos? And what restaurant burritos cause you the most flatulence problems? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's almost impossible for one not to just because of what it is. Yeah. Uh, I like uh, medium, medium spice. Yeah, not, not super spicy. But, but you know, I want to I feel the heat. I'm never a spice guy. I like a little bit that kind of wakes you up a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, it's a little spice in there, but nothing that's going to, like, stop you in your tracks. You like the spice. I like to burn my mouth off. I like to burn your mouth off spice, and I would take advice on this. We had a salsa in the last meal we ate in Dallas Mm. that was a good spicy salsa. I thought it was a good spice. It wasn't the spiciest I ever had, but I think a mild salsa or a medium salsa is too bland. I want the spice. I need this. I I don't want the spice. Yeah. I need the spice. But a lot of the spicy salsas, I really like going in, but they give me problems <laughs> later. Yeah. 
That salsa did not do that. Oh. And so, like, the spicy chipotle salsa, I would eat every day of my life, but I would also, like, not be a functioning yeah. human adult if I did that. Spend 65% of your life in the bathroom. Yeah, so I am looking for a spicy salsa that doesn't cause problems. So if anybody can suggest a restaurant that has that, a fast food place, one that I could buy at the supermarket. Um, there's one that I get at the supermarket a lot that I really like, but also is an issue. So um, that's just real. Listen, man, yeah. this is a podcast for grownups, mm-hmm. right? I mean, can we be real here? Yeah. I said the S word earlier. <laughs> that's a real problem. Listen, so we have, we have a lot of questions um, about the playoff and that's okay but and we'll run through those we won't get to all of them because we just discussed it a lot i'll let you guys check in on this because i think this is going to be super fun not superman super fun i'm psyched for brown's draft season Mm. when you have pick one and pick four and three second rounders you can really control the draft they have four of the top 34 right four of the top like 36 or 37 because they have so they have, they have their pick and the Texans pick in the first round, which is fourth, and they have their pick and the Texans pick in the second round. So plus, four and plus, so, plus the Eagles as well, but that's so, way down at the bottom of the second. Right. So I think they're like when there's ties and stuff because the the two, Houston's in a tie that like it, in the second round they oh, it might yeah. not be the fourth pick in the second round it might be the fifth or sixth, but okay. yes. But they have yeah. they have four of the top four in the top thirty something. Yeah. So the reason that's exciting is because and they have they have some ammo. Like, and I know people hate trade down talk, and we're not going to turn this into a Browns podcast, but like, they could trade down and trade up. You know, like you could trade down from one to two or one to three, but then package your picks to get back up. What if you traded two second rounders to get like into the middle of the first round? Yeah. And you ended up with like picks like two, four, and 16. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a lot of stuff that's on the table for them. Um, so. This guy at Heaven Sent 181, who do the Browns take in rounds one and two? Let's focus on who they take at number one, or if they move that around, who they take at number four, and then who, what position or kind of players you like that maybe they could target early in the second round with those picks. Mm-hmm. Is there a quarterback? They're taking a quarterback with either pick one or pick four, or if they trade down. One of those picks is going to be a quarterback. Is there a quarterback that you like that you want in Cleveland? Darnold. Mayfield. I saw someone tweet something like, uh, Josh Allen is a John Dorsey guy. The Browns are taking Josh Allen. Like, that terrified me. It terrified me as well. I, ho- I really hope that is doesn't he, happen. Is he only completing, like, like more than, like, upper yeah. 50% of his passes? I mean, my my opinion of Josh Allen is largely formed from reading other people's opinions because I have not watched him play. But I watched him play a little bit in his bowl game and was really unimpressed with how he played. I think they played against Boise State. Um, they played at Boise State. Oh, played State. at Boise State. There was Central Michigan, who, by the oh, way, yeah, was starting Michigan. Shane Morris, Shane the former Morris. Michigan quarterback. Yeah. And he, that's just a long way of saying that I think Josh Allen like has bust written all over. People want to compare him to Carson Wentz. I don't see it. Um, Carson Wentz was a productive quarterback, albeit at the FCS level. Josh Allen has not been very productive at Wyoming, especially this He's year. He's just big. He's big and white. I yes. don't want him. Right. So I like Mayfield. Um I do like Darnold, too. Like I think I'd be okay if I was a Browns fan with either one, but I just like – I. I buy the stuff like that Greg Schiano was saying earlier this year. Like I look at Mayfield and I see Brett Favre and like all of Brett Favre, like the arm, the arm strength, like the, I don't give a crap attitude. Like, yeah. I like, I think the Browns need a little bit of that. I said, Darnold, I said it as soon as Doug answered the, asked the question. And honestly, after watching the cotton bowl, nothing changed my mind. I feel like 
he fumbled twice and threw a pick, but only one, the pick I think was the only one that was his fault. You know, he was a little loose with the ball in the first fumble. Right, and the second fumble was not his fault. His offensive line was just bad. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. and I mean, I, I don't want to put those fumbles on him because the offensive line was bad. But in spite of all that, he made throws that you just can't defend. He did. I mean, the throws that you know we hadn't seen Ohio State give up since the first two games of the season when Richard Lego and Baker Mayfield were just dropping dimes all over the field. Darnell was doing that in places where. No matter how good you are as a defender, you're not going to defend it. It's just impossible. That's something I think they need at number one. If he comes out, I don't hesitate. Take him number one, get a veteran, and kind of let Darnold percolate for a few weeks. Yeah, I think, I, and like the a point I'm going to make, and I don't know that I need to write it, but it's like, it's great. Like, give me all the quarterback options other than Josh Allen. Give me everybody. Like, have choices. That if you really think about it, and I haven't researched it, but it's like, okay, like, Wentz was great, right? Wentz is great. Um, the Rams aren't aren't banging their head against the wall. They didn't take Wentz. Mm-hmm. They love Goff. Both were right. It's not like this is not going to be like Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf, I don't think. You no, know? I don't think so. And unless it's you like, take Allen. Unless you take Josh Allen. <laughs> Shoot, you should never take. But um, like I know both Mariota and Jameis Winston have had troubles this year. But it's not like they're both – both were good picks, and yeah. they don't. It doesn't mean they're all going to work out. And I know everybody loved Deshaun Watson, right? And the Bears sort of worked uh, Mitch Trubisky in more slowly. I think the Bears are very happy with Mitch Trubisky. And you know who set the world on fire in his one start? Patrick Mahomes, who I think is the, a lot of people say is the guy the Browns were going to take at twelve had he fallen. The Chiefs took him, let him sit for a year behind Alex Smith, and I think he's going to be the Chiefs' starting quarterback next year, and I think Kansas City's going to be very happy. There are options. So I don't want Browns fans, and again, we're not doing this in a Browns podcast, don't spend the next four months fighting over, I want Darnold, I want Mayfield. I agree with both of you guys, but I don't think you have to – it's fine to prefer a guy, but I don't think you should love Mayfield so much you say, I don't want Darnold. And I don't think you should love Darnold so much you say, I don't want Mayfield. I'd take either. And it's interesting because Ohio State played both, Points I have seen people making, who I respect on Twitter, Oklahoma had a great offensive line and a great play caller. That helped Baker Mayfield, for sure. Sam Darnold had a terrible offensive line, and I don't think a great play caller. That They did very little to help Sam Darnold. But, to Tim's point, you can see the throws that Sam Darnold can make. He might not be ready. He's not ready right now. But just because he's not ready to lead you to the playoffs in 2018 does not mean you should not take him. He can do things a lot of people can't do. Baker Mayfield can do a lot of things that his height shouldn't scare you off and all that stuff. I'd take either. I'd take Rosen. I'd be fine with Rosen if you can get past the idea of, does he not want to be in Cleveland? Is that real? I don't know. Whatever. I think that'd be a fine pick. If you want to sell me on Lamar Jackson, I'm there. I do not have a problem with Lamar Jackson. If people think maybe he'd take a year just like Darnold would, I'm there. If that's if you think he's your guy, get your guy. Second pick, real quick, we don't make it, make it a Browns podcast. Is there somebody that you like at four? I think there's two names at four that people have brought up. So Barkley and Minka Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Yeah, I think if there's anyone outside of those two, and this is someone who I thought really popped in the Rose Bowl, and I don't know if he's even a position of need for Ohio State, but I thought Roquan Smith from Georgia linebacker was really good against Oklahoma. Yeah, he was phenomenal. But I think considering the positions and need for the Browns, 
I would take Saquon because the offense was dreadful. And I would inject a lot of this draft into offense mm. because you need to score in the NFL to win. The Browns just didn't score. There's options there, though. Like, I, I like Mink, if you have, if you have Miles Garrett and Minka Fitzpatrick on the front and back of your defense, those are like game changing guys. Yeah. Um, I think you can probably get another good back in the second round or move up to get one. I think Minka Fitzpatrick might be special as a guy who reshapes your secondary in the same way that Garrett did it. Um, but I wouldn't be against Saquon Barkley. So I don't know. It's, it's I think it's going to be exciting. And what makes it interesting for us is that we've seen all these guys in person. Mm-hmm. So we're qual- we're pretty qualified to talk about this stuff as well. More qualified than uh, Mel Kuyper. <laughs> Scott King. Why even schedule tough out of conference games if you can beat Mercer in the middle of the conference schedule, not play in the conference title game, and still be able to make the playoff and play for the national title? In general, the idea, Ohio State, Gene Smith, they've always done it. It's not a reaction to the playoff. Their reaction to the playoff is to upgrade their second non-conference game. That's what they say. So, like, that's why they play TCU next year, but they also play Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Typically, they would play one. When I first got on the beat, they played one national game, and they were still playing three non-conference games then. They'd play one national game and three terrible ones. So now they want to play one national non-conference game, one mid-tier one, and one terrible one, like one MAC team. So is that wrong? Is there some proof that Alabama's – I mean, other than Alabama, I don't know. We already did. I already we already talked about Nick Saban scheduling genius. Would you change Ohio State's scheduling philosophy at this point? No, because they didn't. They didn't not make it this year because of their loss to Oklahoma, and they made it two years ago because of their win over Oklahoma. So I think there will always be exceptions to the rule, and Alabama is certainly that this year. Um, but I would always err on the side of giving yourself one challenging non-conference game. Yeah. It- I, I'm completely in agreement. I, you don't change the schedule. Their loss came up. The, the playoff eliminator was a conference game, and obviously you can't change your conference schedule. Mm-hmm. So the non-conference is supposed to help you really supplement in that. And if they'd be in Oklahoma, even with the Iowa loss, I think they're in. Yeah, and I don't think, like, if they would have played, I don't think, like, if they would have played Cincinnati instead of Oklahoma and just beat Cincinnati the way they're supposed to and then still would have lost by 31 and would have come down to them in, in Alabama, I still think Alabama probably would have gotten in. Yes. It's a good point. Chase W., I love this. At Trust in Chase. Mm-hmm. This is not Chase Richardson. This is a different Chase. Listen to this tweet. A lot of Chases. Mm-hmm. Respect. Mm-hmm. The Chase. Yeah. Hangs in the woody. Mm-hmm. The Chase. Yep. On a scale of 1 to 10, how sad is it that I finally used my Twitter account for the first time after several years of never logging in just to ask questions for Buckeye Talk? Oh, that's not sad. That's, that's a zero. That's a, that's a negative one. I mean, yeah. we love interaction. So Twitter, I mean, I think when um, whoever Twitter's version of Mark Zuckerberg is invented Twitter, he did so with Buckeye Talk in mind. I have tears in my eyes. Yeah. Well, that Trust and Chase I remember us. I remember this dude. I don't know what the guy's name is. He tweeted one time like a long time ago, chilling, and then like six or seven years later tweeted, just got done chilling. Mm. There's a precedent where you could step away from Twitter for a long time, get back into it, and it's socially acceptable. That guy did it, and he got... Probably ten thousand likes for that tweet. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was hilarious. So Chase didn't just tweet that; he also tweeted his three questions. I'm plugging in my computer because we're not on juice. We're going to run through them all. But out of Chase's, out of respect for Chase's sacrifice to get back on Twitter to yeah. ask them, I'm going to do it in this other order. Okay, 
Should Ohio State make more of an effort to dominate Ohio recruiting than they do now? Only going to sign for the top 20 in Ohio, assuming Tyreek Smith is in. No burrito discussion necessary. Chipotle equals the best. Others equal trash. Are you okay with where they are in Ohio recruiting Bill Landis? Uh, yeah, mostly. I think that this is kind of a hot-button issue, I think, for people, especially the way that, that we view it. I think we, more than a lot of people, kind of champion the idea of keeping a few spots for Ohio guys. We talked about this before. We don't have to, go, we don't have to rehash it. Um, I do think there are some guys in this 2018 class in particular that – um, they don't have, and I, Urban Meyer said at his press conference, some of that is academic related. I think there are some guys who just didn't qualify to come to Ohio State who, if they did, they would probably be here. Um, and I'm not going to say, <clears throat> say who that is. Um, but I think, I, I think they do dominate. I think they, 99.9% of the time, if there's someone in Ohio that they want, they get them. So in my mind, that's dominating Ohio recruiting. Jackson Carmen is an outlier and like the, the kid that goes to Notre Dame every now and then is an outlier. The reason Jackson Carmen, the reason people were like sort of freaking out about that is because it's so unusual. So like yeah. if, 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 if they were losing, if it was like a legitimate battle over the top four kids in Ohio every year, it was a legitimate battle. Like, is Ohio State going to win this battle? Mm-hmm. Are they going to lose this battle to Clemson or Alabama or Georgia or Michigan or whomever? Then it would be an issue. I think the issue is not dominating Ohio recruiting. It's it's having room for, for guys. It's having room for guys who want to come here yeah. and you can't take. So that's the issue. It's not the issue of losing guys in Ohio that you want. It's the issue of keeping space for guys and not allowing yourself to go so national that you lose the Ohio heart of your program. Mm-hmm. Tim, we'll start with you on the next question. With an impress with the impressive resumes again from Chase from Trust and Chase. With the impressive resumes of nearly all the coaches at Ohio State, why is it that we are talking about how they are being outcoached on a near weekly basis? Most obviously was the Iowa game, but also even in several of their wins where the talent gap was too large. Um, it's an interesting question. Yeah. I don't 100% agree with the premise, but I know where he's coming from, and we've talked about this kind of thing a lot. When it comes to coaching and out-coaching, I think the reason we overreact is because with a team like Ohio State, losses happen so infrequently that when you look at the roster, you think it's the most talented roster in the country. And it sh- and when you consider the resources Ohio State has, should be up there every season. And that top five at the very, very worst as far as talent goes. So when they lose a game, naturally coaching is called into question. They almost never lose because of talent. Yes. So when they do lose, like Oklahoma, I guess they lost because of talent because they got bakered. But like, like you're saying, most of the time, if it's a regular season game, it's not because of talent that they lose. Yeah, and they, yeah. I think they did improve the coaching, particularly offensively with Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day. They made a nice impact. JT Barrett got, a lot, got improved this season. He didn't set the world on fire, but he did improve this year from you know his past two. So I think coaching offensively improved. But I think sometimes it's just so razor thin sometimes in these matchups. The Oklahoma one sticks out because it wasn't just Baker. It was the fact that Ohio State couldn't get to Baker that offensive line was just so good that even as great a defensive line as Ohio State had, they weren't able to get through. And that's why Baker dominated in a way that so few quarterbacks have really done against Ohio State that he really didn't make a mistake because the strength of that defense was neutralized. So I think when it comes down to coaching, it's hard because, I mean, again, when when you see a team that's that talented, you should expect them to get to the playoff every year. You talked about it on your Facebook live chat 
I believe, last week at the Cotton Bowl, Bill. That, Thanks for watching, man. Oh, you got it. Well, I mean, it was nice to know that in the YouTube chat I was referred to as the other guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My fiance made note of that. Is like, like she was like, what? Like, I saw a comment. Someone was like, what? Where's the other guy? And there's also like, there's a six percent chance that we're talking about Ari. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone called you Ari on a review on iTunes. I, I know. Think. Yeah, but very uh, similar. You said that if you're expecting Ohio State, if you're living and dying with Ohio State being in the playoff every year, prepared to be disappointed way more often than not, and it's a pretty, it's a miserable way to live. But when you have a team that's that talented, you expect to get there every year, and you don't. You look for reasons to point to. Number one is coaching. When sometimes it's just, sometimes that team just matches up better with you, and in that case, Oklahoma did. I got two hot takes. You want to go first? I forget what the question was. Uh, why does it seem like Ohio State gets outcoached? Oh, uh, I think because they don't have to coach very often. I think they just rely on their talent. And if they just rely solely – if they didn't put in a game plan and just relied solely on their talent, they'd win nine games every year. Um, and I just think it's a tough transition to make sometimes. And I don't know – like I don't know the inner workings of every other program. Like every lots of programs lay eggs, and maybe it's not a 31-point loss. Um but I think it's just tough sometimes to like flip that switch and get into like hard, hard game plan mode when eight times out of ten you were just that much more talented. It doesn't matter what your game plan is. Um, there's something else I wanted to say and I can't remember. Oh, I also think too that like you watch Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl and some of the stuff that Lincoln Riley was calling, especially in the first half, and you think to yourself, like, why doesn't Ohio State scheme stuff up? Why? Don't, like, it's Urban Meyer and his hands all over the offense, and I think it's part JT Barrett um, and his limitations as a quarterback so um i don't know if they've just been out coached or just like played it kind of safe and like maybe those are the, the kind of the same thing um but i also expect that to change a little bit offensively next year so my two i'll start with my with well one point is they need some young juice and they're getting some i mean i'm on the coaches you mean? they yeah. their coaching staff is older mm-hmm. and they do not have a lincoln riley and they do not have – Brian Ferentz did a really good job scheming up that Iowa offense. Alex Grinch has to bring that to Ohio State, and they need it on the defensive side of the ball. They need somebody new. They need somebody – and it's not ageism, but they need somebody young because generationally, guys think about the game differently. They have a lot of guys who think about the game the same way. They need a youth infusion on this coaching staff, guys who – Think of how old's Grinchy Poo. He's I your guy. I think he's like thirty-seven. Well, Days also. Well, to be fair, also Ryan Day's a pretty young guy. He is. So I I agree that they need youth on the defensive side. That's what I if if they do hire Grinches, we all expect to happen. Then that is exactly what you're talking about. And the second thing is, I think in the end, a lot of what and Bill and I were talking about this. We're we talking about this not on the podcast. That in the end, it's possible a lot of the Alex Grinch is. Uh, 37. 37. right. A lot of the offensive stuff is related to the quarterback they had and the unwillingness to try some things because JT Barrett is so good at some things and not as good at others. And it has led them to a place where they just don't do some of the things that you see other teams do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, A, they're getting – the youth they need on the defensive side, B, they're going to have to change on the offensive side because they're changing quarterbacks. And I think both those things are good. I, I had a thought about JT Barrett that's 
kind of the underlying theme that could sum it up. I could save it for another time. Does it involve a reference to a movie that neither of us have seen before? Not at all. <laughs> okay. It's that for bet for better and for worse, he's the ultimate bottle of consistency. Better and worse. Like he's a, it's flatline. You're not going to get much better than the flatline. You're not going to get much worse than the flatline. Yeah, you get it's like, it pops every now and then, like the fourth quarter against Penn State. But I think I think largely you're right. Yeah, and I mean the the Cotton Bowl is a perfect example. They occasionally but... need pops. I mean, you need that. Occasionally, pop. he throws four picks against Iowa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes you need those pops up. That just didn't happen. But I think that's that's what JT Bear will always be. That unbelievable amount of consistency. That for better or worse, that's just JT. There's Bear. just very little like risk risk reward with that type of player. And like you're yeah. going to get it now, no matter who the quarterback is next year, you're going to get that. Yes. Chase's last question. I don't want to go a ton on this because it's a whole podcast in itself. And we've talked about it again before. Is it possible Urban Meyer is very nearly irrelevant as an offensive innovator? If so, when will he realize this? And again, I asked him about it this year. He is open about that idea that he's not. He's more of a CEO coach. He's more of a let's talk about real life Wednesdays kind of stuff. And he's less of a hands-on X and O's offensive innovator. He was. He helped lead the revolution that changed college football 20 years ago. That's where we are, 15 years ago at least, right? That's where we are. Yeah. He I, helped invent this spread thing. And so I I just – I think some of the innovation, if they need innovation, it's going to have to come more from a guy like Ryan Day. It needs to be brought in. And it needs to be about Urban bringing in guys who bring in innovation. I just don't know that Urban's going to do it on his own. Bob Stoops wasn't an innovator. He hired Lincoln Riley. Now, Lincoln Riley's the head coach now, and that's it. I think we were a little bit right on this when Bob Stoops retired, and it was like, oh, no. And it was like, you know what? That's not an oh, no for Oklahoma. That was really more of an oh, yes than an oh, no. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be good for Ohio State when Urban Meyer retires. Urban Meyer's better than Bob Stoops. But Urban Meyer, I don't think the innovation is going to come from Urban Meyer himself. Urban Meyer is what he is. Urban Meyer has principles that he believes in. If you think... Ohio State needs innovation, and in some ways it does here and there. It's going to be because of people that Urban Meyer brings in. Maybe Ryan Day is that guy. Kevin Wilson's good. That's what I think about innovation. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. And I think, again, I don't want to belabor the point about JT Barrett, but I feel like that, like you said a little bit earlier, Bill, that has a lot to do with it, the limitations. You build your offense around what you have. And if you got a more risk-taking quarterback who's got a higher ceiling than JT – you're well, that offense is going to look completely different. Regardless of who you have under center, whether it's Dwayne Haskins or Tate Martell, whoever's taking snaps at quarterback, this offense is going to look radically different. Could it look more aggressive? Absolutely it could look a lot more aggressive. At Wild Bear Buckeye, in, in this vein, still really want to hear you discuss how much of the 17 offense was determined by Kevin Wilson versus Urban Meyer, and what are the best, worst-case scenarios for Wilson and Meyer on the offense going forward? Would Kevin Wilson have delivered fireworks in 17 if given carte blanche? Can he deliver fireworks in the future? Yeah, I think he can. I think he can. I, I do. Th- we, we saw we saw some of the touches. They did some different stuff this year. They did some of the stuff in the run game, bringing the tight end into the backfield and having him like work as a lead blocker. I think some of that is from Kevin Wilson. I think some of us are actually studying what Oklahoma State does. But Kevin Wilson, I think, brought that aspect. We saw the Ryan Day stuff in the passing game. I think you did see touches. I just and and I think we're as guilty of this as anybody, and it's not like I don't want to turn it into like let's all rag on JT Barrett now because he's gone, but I think maybe we 
overstated a little bit just how much the offense could transform if JT was going to remain the quarterback. Is that is that about JT or is it about like Urban Meyer's reluctance to go away from JT, what JT does best? A little bit of both, I guess. But I also like I. I thought JT Barrett could become a better passer, and I think he did a little bit, especially compared to the last two seasons. Um, I just don't. I don't think. I think it's a combination of, of him not quite having it as a passer, and, and frankly, some of their receiver talent that it was just never going to be sort of this transformational year that we thought it was going to be coming into it. In, in the end, it was just they were what they've always been, which is a, a strong running team that relied too much on the quarterback running the ball. Um, but now that that element is removed from the offense, even if like Tate Martell's the quarterback, I still don't think they run him the same way they ran JT Barrett. Um, I do think it's out there for, what was the word, fireworks? Yep. I think that's out there to happen next year with the combination of Dwayne Haskins' arm, some um, some development at receiver, some different kind of bodies at tight end, J.K. Dobbins developing a little more. Um, there's just there's too many pieces that if, if the offense looks anything like it looked – really has looked like the last four years, then that's a serious misstep on the part of River Meyer. All right, I'm going to move on. We, we, we don't have time for everybody to answer every question. Yeah. This is a kind of a combo question. They're in the same vein. A lot of questions in the same vein. Connor Bailey at cbailey589 asks about the Big Ten Bowl record. Um, if the committee had a do-over, would their selection process play out the same way? We said what we would have done. Um, if the committee actually, if the committee sat down right now with this information, like would they have changed who they put in? And then Jeremy George at Jeremy underscore George is asking, do you believe the Big Ten's bowl record this year guarantees they have a team in the playoff next year? So that's kind of related. Tim, if the committee, thinking as the committee, would the committee have changed anything? I don't believe so. Other than maybe where some teams were seeded, I think they got the four that are the top four, right? That's just fine, but not in the right order. But maybe the only thing they would have done is put Oklahoma one, yeah, Clemson yes. two, yeah. Okay. And then, do you believe? Do we think there's an impact going forward? As Jeremy is asking, with this Big Ten bowl record, when that committee gets in that room next year, will they have that in their head as they're discussing Big Ten teams? I think so. We're humans. I think, and I think what Ohio State, what happened to Ohio State last year, I think probably came into play a little bit. If you weren't sure about Ohio State this year, you remembered last year when you weren't sure, maybe, and you put them in and they got their butts kicked. So I think, as much as they say precedent doesn't matter and the year before doesn't matter, um, these are human beings with memory. So yeah, I think it will come into play. Connor Bailey also wants to know if we have any resolutions. Same as everyone lose weight. This is going to. Oh, I want to read more. Hmm. Well, you are making it a more literature-friendly podcast. We'll have Bill Landis' Book of the Week Mm -hmm. and Burrito of the Week. Yep. Ooh, Book and a Burrito. (laughs) Wow. That's a a good club name. I feel like like you can make that like a a meetup page. You know, you meet up at Chipotle, everybody gets their burrito, you sit down for an hour. You talk about Captain Underpants. Talk about the book. I swear to God, I want to be in that. Yeah. If we had a Buckeye Talk Book and a Burrito book club. I mean, I'm in. Sure. Read your book and then come talk about your book while you consume a burrito. Yeah. Is anybody else in America doing that? I don't think so. Hey, we it, could probably get Chipotle to sponsor that. Yeah. We'd go around the different Chipotles. Mm-hmm. Maybe Chili's would get in on that. Chili's. <laughs> Chili's. We if we shout out to Chili's, which has been good to us. <laughs> Love you, Chili's. If we sponsored a Buckeye Talk book and salsa club. Come meet at Chili's. Could we get like some free chips with that? Yeah, I think so. That would be nice. That would be I, have nice. A, I have a funny Chili's thing, but I don't know if it'll be funny. So I'm just going to say. It's it's only, is it funny, good for Chili's? 
Or it's not yeah, negative it's not, against Chili's. It's not negative it? against Chili's. So, so, like, when we were driving up to the uh, to AT&T Stadium, we're like, we're all the media's on a bus, and we're driving up to the stadium, and everyone pulls their phones out and takes a picture of AT&T Stadium because it looks like a spaceship. Like, I was doing it, too. But then, like, Ari Wasserman was in the bus in front of me, and, like, I saw him with his phone out. As we're all driving by the stadium, he has his phone like everybody else, and he's taking a video, and then he sends me the video on Snapchat, and instead of a video of AT&T Stadium, it was just him zooming in on the sign of Chili's. Like, there's a Chili's in the parking lot, and it was like a two and a half second video of like a tight, tight shot on the Chili's logo, and I just thought it was so funny, and like since then, he sent me seven other very short second and a half videos of him every time he drives past the Chili's. So, uh, yeah, I just thought that was really funny. I did. I mean, I did make it a point. I mentioned this before when I went to when we came back from Ann Arbor to stop at the Chili's on the way. So shout out to Chili's. Shout out to Chili's. All right, we're gonna work on this. I would like to read also. I'm just gonna be make more, um, be more connected to my food choices. Mm. When you're a dad, you end up eating a lot of like, oh, there's a half a donut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. an open bag of. Skittles. I'm not a dad, and I still do that. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of half a donuts lying around yeah. in my house. Greg Miller. Oh, at, and, uh, uh, what's your what's your? Uh, well, you said you had a yeah. What's your resolution? I want to travel again. I, you know, I, I before I came on the beat, actually, I came onto the beat fresh off a trip to England in the nice. UK where I got engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to travel again this year. I, I, my fiance and I have talked for a long time. We want to go to Toronto. Can I offer a suggestion? Yes, Philadelphia. <laughs> We've already been to Philadelphia. We went to the Army Navy game there two years ago. Can't go too many times. Toronto's nice, but can I say yes? I have not gone there as much, but I've heard lovely things about Montreal. Oh, yeah. If you're going up that way, I've heard, like, going to Montreal is like going to Europe without having to go over an ocean. Mm-hmm. I will, but they speak French. Yeah. I will French. look into that. The big thing I want to do in Toronto is, I, as a hockey fan, I really want to see the Hockey Hall of Fame. And I don't mm. know if when I it's go... It's pretty underwhelming, but you should go anyway. I don't is it know. Really? If they, it's all right. it, the big thing I'm worried about when I go... It's well, they have the Stanley Cup there because I really want. So, to I think see, it's always there because I really want to see it. And I think obviously they won't like touch it, but just to see it you in can person, touch it. I touched it. There are three of them. To see it in person would be just tremendous. I'd be really excited to check it out. There are three Stanley Cups. One is the Presentation Cup they give to the team who wins. I think one like travels the country for random stuff, and then one stays at the Hall of Fame. And the one that's at the Hall of Fame, you can touch. Here's a picture of me with my arm wrapped around the Stanley Cup. Could you put salsa in it and dip a chip in the Stanley Cup? Yeah. I mean, dudes, Chili guys, have, guys have drank beer out of there plenty of times or whatever. They, they want don't to want you to put your baby in there anymore because baby's pooping it. Uh, <laughs> you want to eat poutine out of the Stanley Cup as yes. your dream. Yes, I do. You should go that. We'll have a Tim Bielik's, uh Canadian travelogue. Will be a, another piece of. Buckeye it could be like a ten-minute like snippet of like a little thing I upload every day discussing my Canadian adventures. Mm-hmm. If people are willing to actually follow that, I will do that. I just need to figure out when we're going to go. That's definitely happening. <laughs> Greg Miller at OSU Farm Boy, which is just a tremendous Twitter handle. Which receiver needs to step up next year to be a go-to playmaker? A new starting quarterback really needs his security blanket. My money is on Austin Mack. I am very curious to see who Dwayne Haskins has a connection with. Austin Mack's his roommate. Um, whoop, whoop. I think he can read a little bit into that. They I, they were on the field after the Cotton Bowl. Some guys were like taking photos and stuff and there was a little group taking photos and it was like four guys. Two of them were Dwayne Haskins and Austin Mack. I think I think Austin Mack is the guy. The receiver I like to see take a jump is Ben Victor. I, I found him very underwhelming this year. Yeah, I... When I saw the Cotton Bowl, I thought Austin Mack was Ohio State's best offensive player. He only got like three, four passes, but I thought consistently he would, like every time he got the pass, he did something with it. I think he'll be the number one guy. 
You mentioned Ben Victor. He started the season off very well, tailed off. I wonder how much of that is, you know, he just needs to get stronger. I think he definitely needs to get stronger, yeah. He needs to go. He needs to add some burritos more or go to Chili's more often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't need to go to the bathroom more. He needs yeah. to get stronger. <laughs> Lightning round. Fast answers on these. Kyle Brandenburg, Mad Cow Design. What do you think is the best name of a football player? Tracy Sprinkle or Tough Borland? Although Tough Sprinkle. Tough Sprinkle. <laughs> is there a better name on the team? Uh, Tommy Togiai is a great Tommy name. Tommy Togiai is a good name. Yeah, that's a great He's coming in. Um, no, Tough Borland's pretty. I mean, he's been a linebacker. His name's Tough. Tomorrow McCall, I think, is a cool name. That is a cool name. Jordan Steele, is Michigan State a bigger threat to Ohio State than Michigan next season? Uh, not if Shea Patterson is Michigan's quarterback. But who's the biggest? I think Penn State might continue to be the biggest threat. Listen, we got to break this down. Tim's going to do the Big Ten rankings. The East is going to be a beast next year. Yeah. Even more so because as you'll They're see. They're all better. There will be. <laughs> Fifth-place team, I think, could really even challenge be, – if they were the fifth best team was in the West, they get challenged for second. And I think like not to sound like a jackass, but like I think Rutgers and Maryland are like only getting better. And yep. like they're just like it's gonna be tougher to beat them by fifty. Yes. G Nilly, G Nilly ninety seven. Could the Buckeye defense have shut down Clemson like Alabama did? Yeah, I think so. It would they would it probably wouldn't have been six points, but I think it would have slowed him down in a similar vein. It was very I mean, like the way they got after him, I think, is the way that Ohio State would have gotten after him. I mean, the, the some of the turnovers they were forcing were stuff thrown right to him, right? And yeah. Like, I think they would have done There was a thing they kept way. saying, too, like, like Clemson had this package they wanted to run, and then one of their receivers got injured, so they couldn't run it. I don't know how big of a hole that put in their offense. But that just, yeah, I thought Clemson's offense was kind of average. Jordan Steele again. Is Brady Taylor a lock to replace Billy Price at center? If not, who else on the roster could make the move? I think he'll be the guy. If he's not, my guess will be Matt Burrell. Matt or Burrell, I always forget it. We'll, we'll figure it out if he's going to be playing next year. But he tweeted out or posted it to Instagram a picture of something on like something guys always post like after the season's over, like let's get it for 2018. Like, but in that picture, he was playing center. Who was Matt Burrell? Really? Yeah. Um. So I think he was the third team center behind Billy Price and, and Brady Taylor. I talked to Brady Taylor in the locker room after the game. He said he thinks he's the guy. Obviously, he has to work for it to keep the spot. But he's he's going into the spring thinking he's a starting center next year. Chad M at Sneela187, what's the smallest, most reasonable tweak to the season you could think of that would have landed Ohio State in the playoff? Uh, Nick Bosa not getting ejected against Iowa, which even if they would have lost, would have made the game a little closer. And I think if that's a close loss, they're in. Five more carries for J.K. Dobbins against Oklahoma. The way he was running, hmm. he could have done... If he had gotten even just five more carries, I think that game would have been a lot closer. JT Barrett doesn't have that disastrous pick inside his own 20-yard line. And we saw in the Rose Bowl what running, what Oklahoma, what Georgia did to Oklahoma's defense running the football. Ohio State's rush, rushing attack, good as well. They just didn't use it enough they in that stopped. game. Yeah. Somebody, something that would have led to better linebacker coverage against the tight ends in the Iowa game specifically, although Oklahoma burned them too. But I felt like that was an issue that was there and was exploited again. Like I get when something happens to you once, and do I want to make this a Bill Davis answer? Yeah, I do. Better Bill Davis coaching of the linebackers. Yeah. Or something, something in that defensive room that would have said, listen, I was going to try to do this, and we can't let them. And whether that would have been an earlier shift in the guys you played because they did make a change in personnel after that game, whether it's a better something, whether it's we saw them put Denzel Ward on tight ends, right, mm-hmm. after that. A bit. Something that's going to do something other than let tight ends run free against linebackers against Iowa. 
Jian Wu at two underscore four underscore Wu. What foods are each of the coaching staff? E.g., Bill Davis is the salad that no one wants, is overpriced, and is full of iceberg lettuce. <laughs> Ooh, I think. Yeah. I think Larry Johnson is is uh, bread. Warm homemade bread is Larry Johnson because mm. that makes me feel good. Um, I think Kerry Combs might be uh, might be the spicy salsa that I enjoy going in, and yeah. I have trouble you know with what, later. You know what I think Kerry Combs might be the onion volcano you get at Benihana. Ooh, with the smoke coming out of it. Yeah, every time I see him, he's like, I mean, he's the Energizer Bunny. He'd be the only, he's like the only guy I can think of as a coach who wouldn't need a press conference if he had a po- wouldn't need a microphone at his podium at a press conference. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, he would. I like that, Bill. You got to do one. You don't just look at your phone. You Sorry, gotta... I'm confused. I'll, I'll have to ask you something after the podcast. What was the question? Who's food? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Co- which coach is food? Uh, that was a dumb way of interpreting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't have a good one. I'll say. Uh, no, that would be insulting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's really. Uh, Greg Schiano is like a dry steak. Like, in the end, he's probably good for you because it's good. I think it's good to eat a steak and get the protein, but it's uh, boring. You know what? You know what I was going to – because I think sometimes – because I thought Shiano – like you said how Shiano like said that Baker Mayfield's like Brett Favre. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes Shiano's really good. Yeah. Like once every six weeks. Like sometimes you think – like I'm trying to think of like a thing that you think is going to be – I was going to say like a fish or something that you know like mm-hmm. you're supposed to eat because it has like a whatever fatty acids in it or something yeah, to make you make feel good. Threes. And yeah. you think it's like, oh, I have this fish. I, I, I'm i going to eat it because it's supposed to be good. And then like someone cooks it every now and then. They cook it with like some good seasoning and they do a really job. And you're like, oh, this actually tastes good this time. That's like a vegetable. It's like Brussels sprouts. Yeah. My wife makes really good Brussels, Brussels sprouts. Yeah, but I, I think you can make them and they taste like nothing and they're gross. But if you cook them with bacon, they're good. <laughs> <laughs> so Greg Schiano talking about Baker Mayfield and Brett Favre is Brussels sprouts with bacon. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it. I, I'm going to do one. I'm going to uh, – Nikki Unders, our guy. Now that Doug is getting shout-outs from Bill Simmons, does that mean that SeatGeek or Casper Mattress will be sponsoring Buckeye Talk? I got that big – I saw that. Got yeah. that big yeah. Bill Simmons retweet on I was looking. Jackson I was story. looking at our, yeah. our back-end numbers like, how did the story get read so much? And then I looked at it was like, Twitter refers, Bill Simmons. Like, oh, that'll do it. I'll yes. tell you what. Saying that the Browns coach is bad is good business right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to stay in that business for a while. Um, all right. That's Buckeye Talk. Subscribe, 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 subscribe. Give us a review. Listen, some people say only do the five stars. Do what's in your heart. Do what is in your heart. But if in your heart it says they don't deserve five stars, just maybe maybe forget to do it. But don't. If you don't feel the five star, don't give us a five star review. If you Can don't feel we earned it, uh, someone asks if you have if you have them muted, and they want to know why. Who is it? It was Joey, whose Twitter handle is Drizzy Gets Busy. He said, "I think Doug muted me, and I'm very sad. I thought I was asking great questions. Can you ask him why I'm muted?" And then he said, "Also, which freshman who redshirted this year could have the biggest impact next year?" <laughs> oh, Drizzy! Listen, if I muted you, there's there's. Muting, I mute people. I almost block nobody unless you swear at me. Muting is either um, 
you annoyed me or like you overwhelmed me. So sometimes muting is not a function of like, uh, like I'm angry at you. It's just like, man, like I just can't like have it be that like, if I ask a thing for questions that like you send 11 questions. Yeah. And then I, sometimes I do it in the moment. The bad thing about muting is you're like, I'm going to mute this person for now, and then I'll get back to them. But then they're muted, and you forget. Right. So if Driz, if I do have you muted, I'll unmute you. Should I apologize. We, should we answer his question because you're yeah. to him? Which freshman who redshirted this year could have the biggest impact next year? That's a good question. Tate Not many. Yeah, only six redshirted. Myers, Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, Tate Martell. Um, Jaron Cage, Elijah Gardner, Elijah Gardner, Sean, Sean Wade, and Sean Wade. This, there's four candidates in that group. Tate's obvious. Mm-hmm. Sean Wade redshirted because he was hurt. Sean Wade, depending what happens, like if there's any chance that like somehow Sheffield and Arnett leave, or one of them leaves, or they're both not back, I think Sean Wade could fight for playing time. Sure. Yeah. I think Sean Wade is like only a half step behind Jeffrey Okuda, and I think like oh Jeffrey Okuda is going to start next year. He'll be a special teamer at the very least. Uh, but I also think Myers and Davis. One, I think one of them could start next year. Yeah, I think I'm going to write this. I think there is something for Tate Martell in the offense next year. I, I I almost feel like it's a guarantee, even if he's not the starting quarterback. Um, so I'll say him. People are doing it. Like I think the Tommy Stevens comparison is yeah. good. I don't know how much Oklahoma did it, but they did it last night where oh. they had Kyler Murray in the backfield, mm-hmm. like lined up behind. But like it's like one of those things, like a package where and then like did did Tommy Stevens ever throw the ball for Penn State this year? Again, if you don't know this, Penn State's backup quarterback played like some slot receiver mm-hmm. this year. Did he throw the ball? I don't know. I, I don't the times I've seen it, they've thrown the ball to him, but I don't know if he's he caught a touchdown pass this year. Yeah, I guess Northwestern. So it's like get an athlete on the field, but like yeah, that th- there's a lot out there that there's precedent of other teams doing it that Ohio State can get ideas from. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. Go read us at cleveland.com/osu. We're going to have a lot of stuff. We'll explain it later. We like have a whole package that we're planning, like a five-part series about the future of the offense. Um, as it relates to Dwayne Haskins and J.K. Dobbins, where we have some good big stuff that we've saved up that you guys can expect. Again, we're going to break down the whole roster in a two-deep position group by position group. We've talked to a lot of the young guys who are going to impact next year, and we're going to have stories with them coupled with projections of the two-deep, and then we'll come back with a final overall team-wide projected two-deep for 2018. Uh, We still have the recruiting stuff that's coming that, you know, there's not a lot of spots, but there's going to be some big guys getting in here. Um, basketball season is underway and the, the basketball Buckeyes are more interesting than they've been the past couple years. And uh, we have these NFL draft decisions between now and January 15th, where we need to figure out who's staying or going for about five or six guys on the offense, uh, not on the offense on the roster. So for Bill Landis at Bill Landis 25 for Tim Bielek at Tim Bielek, I'm Doug Lay Maurice at Doug Lay Maurice. Thanks to you guys. Happy new year. And that was Buckeye talk. <laughs>